Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from CPAs and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you real results, both in business and building the life you desire. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 38 of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast brought to you by PJS and Co-CPAs. I'm your host, Megan Spicer, and today we are continuing our legal series of episodes focusing on topics related to growth, profitability, and law firm owners specifically. So we are joined back with Katina Peters. Hi, Megan. Exciting topic today, and a lot of people are a lot of law firm owners, I should say, are concerned about this. So I'm looking forward to jumping into it. Yeah. So today we're talking about partner compensation in your law firm. So we're going to go through some of the considerations that you should be uh, looking at before you decide on a partner compensation model, systemizing that partner compensation model, and then some of the details around you know what that looks like and some of the advantages, disadvantages to uh, the different options available to you. So I want to start with, you know, like we always do, the why. Why is partner compensation important specifically in law? Sure. And I think this is really just born out of the history of law firms um, and how um, compensation has been structured in the past. Um, You know, it's kind of you run across this in different practice models, um, law firms, uh, CPA firms, um, uh, medical practices, things like that. Um, So, you know, it's something that's uh, obviously near and dear to everybody. They, you know, want to get paid and (laughs) get paid appropriately for what they're doing. Um, And uh, different firms have followed different structures in the past for how they're going to um, handle compensation. And, you know, if it's if it's not done in a good way, it can really uh, bring in feelings of tension, bitterness. It can break up partnerships, you know, potentially. Um, it also can stunt the growth of a firm and just make it operationally very clunky. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, how, uh, what I mean behind that and how, how that can sometimes happen. Um, so, you know, I think it's just important that we, you know, look at this, um, head it head on, have a good plan for this so that everybody is in agreement up front about what our plan is um, and has that buy-in to it uh, to make sure that, you know, we don't um, end up in a position where there is a lot of hard feelings or problems around it and that we do look at it at the firm as a business, um, not just as individual practices for each partner, but as a business as a whole and what's best for that business as a whole, because that's just going to bring us to that next level as a firm. Okay. And there are a variety of different models that firms can choose, right? Like set models that are traditionally have been done, correct? Yes. Yeah. There's, I mean, this has been an ongoing uh, debate, I guess, if you want to call it that, I think in uh, the industry for a very long time. So there's a lot of different options and models out there um, that different firms have used and uh, some fit better, th- better than others. And we're just going to talk a little bit around what 
we believe uh, in our experience has been the best direction to take um, when um, when going through the consideration of of partner compensation. Okay. So I know you said that the depending on the model, it can create feelings of tension and you know that animosity that we want to try to avoid. So why is that? Why is that seen more in law versus other industries? Yeah, I, I think what happens is that sometimes those compensation models um, are uh, set up in, a, in such a way that maybe it looks just values the billable hour over everything else. And it doesn't give any maybe consideration to um, the managing partner as much and how many hours they have to put in administratively. Um, it, it can sometimes, you know, again, historically, these models have been set up sometimes where it trains lawyers to compete with each other within the firm and to hoard work and to hoard clients and to not, okay. you know, want to train up the next generation of attorneys that are going to take over because when they let go of a client or a billable hour or something like that, um, then their compensation suffers and some of those structures. Um, so, so we want to, you know, work with the firms that we work with to kind of get away from those kind of traditional um, uh viewpoints, I guess, of partner compensation. And we want to build something that creates that teamwork environment um, that fosters, you know, positivity and growth. Um, and that really, again, looking at the firm as a whole, what's best for the whole firm and how do we still make everything fair and compensate everyone appropriately, hold people accountable to what they need to be doing, um, but do that from a much more um, productive uh, stance. And before we talk about considerations and choosing a model, I, I'm i willing to bet a lot of our listeners probably have an established law firm and maybe they have one that's not working, but I would imagine it's a bit difficult to take a model and change it. So how do you help change the mindset or what are some of the, the components that you have to think about before changing a compensation model too? Yeah, I mean, I think, like anything, you have to recognize that maybe there's a problem first. Um, right. And, you know, you have to look at, uh, you know, again, a, a lot of all of this goes back to our strategic plan, our why, what are our goals are for the firm? Um, what are our values, those kinds of things, um, so that we can, you know, we need to let go of egos, we need to be open to change, we need to embrace, again, what's in the firm's best interest, um, because ultimately, that trickles to everyone in the firm, including the partners. Right. So we just want to be open to that conversation and having that conversation. Because if we don't change anything, as I think I've said before, you don't change anything, you're just going to repeat the same thing over and over again, right? You got to mm -hmm. change something for something to change. Um, so this is, again, uh, just something that, you know, you need to have open conversation about and to get alignment between the partners and between the, the managers of the firm, uh, the attorneys in the firm, uh, to make sure that everybody's pushing in the same direction and not pulling apart. Right. So if we're ready to change our, our model, you know, maybe something's not working, or maybe the firm is just starting, and you have to decide on a model to establish. What are some things to think about just in general? Yeah, sure. Um, I think some, you know, where you really want to start um, is kind of similarly to the strategic plan, you want to start with 
the why and you want to start with the what the, what are the core values of the firm what can we all agree upon as partners our core values and we'll jump into kind of some you know what's some example of some core values in, in a little bit here but we want to look at what are the core things that we stand for and where are we trying to get to um, because what we want to do is we want to design the compensation system around those core values to support the core values and discourage um, you know, actions or activities or what have you that detract from those values. So we really want to kind of sit down and um, hash out, you know, what's really important to us as a firm? What do we want to stand for? You know, how do we want to communicate to our clients? How do we want to perform our work? You know, what those kinds of things. What are those core values so that we can design the system around those core values? This in getting all of that pulled into place, then that brings everybody into the table to discuss it first. Maybe it's never been discussed mm-hmm. so that we're all at the same table, all coming from the same perspective and maybe hashing out some of the differences or maybe we figure out, you know, we're not the same. We need to, you know, maybe think, do something different here. So, but it's really good to just get everybody pulled together. And then that way, as you're going forward, that you you all share that same commitment to those core values um, and, and advancing them and pushing the firm forward is what we want to focus on rewarding. Okay. So we also want to make sure that we're all as a team committed to the principle that there's more than one path uh, to the success of a team member as a firm. So maybe one person's great at uh, getting clients and bringing them in the door, being that rainmaker, um, and maybe another person's just a really great grinder and they go through the work and that's what they're passionate about and what they love to do. Maybe somebody's really good at just the overall operational side of the firm and keeping things moving. So we want to we want to acknowledge that all of those things are important then all of those things um, uh, hold value for the firm um, so that, you know, it's not just the rainmaker, you know, who should make the most money or it's not just the grinder who should make the most, you know, whatever the case may be. We want to look at that and say it takes all of that to make a good firm and to to make sure that we're committed to that um, as a firm. So, you know, again, from a management perspective, you know, we can't just willy-nilly let everybody do whatever they want. (laughs) You know, as a firm, we need to establish uh, policies and procedures. I mean, you can run a firm that way, but the most successful firms who have growth, have profitability, have ease of operations and good lifestyles, um, they have everybody on the same page with, how they're going about doing things, what they're doing, you know, they have billing procedures in place, they have uh, time and attendance in place, you know, they have policies and procedures around what they're doing in place, you know, and a good example maybe is of the pro bono work. So the firm should establish um, if they want to do pro bono work, first of all, and then how much do they want to do a year? And that needs to be approved strategically and not just everybody willy-nilly doing whatever they want. Because again, right. you know, as a firm, we need to commit how many hours can we afford to do that. And, um, you know, that's an outreach that we want to do as a firm, but we need to be strategic about how we're doing it and what's going to count. And, and it needs to be approved uh, maybe by a committee or what have you. Um, so that we make sure that, again, we're all going in the same direction um, and it's a, you know, core spearheaded, not, you know, going lots of different ways, everybody doing their own thing. Right. Uh, so that's another, you know, 
area that we need to come together on. So we will need to have information. So, uh, you know, in establishing a partner compensation system that supports our values, you know, there's going to be numeric things that we look at, maybe overall hours, billable hours, what did we agree to up front, those kinds of things, um, and non-numeric things, what other kind of values are are people bringing in? What are they doing, you know, for the firm, um, et cetera. So there's going to be that information we're going to need to systemize. We talked a little bit about talking about systems. <laughs> we're going to need to systemize mm-hmm. that to make it easy. And then also, you know, we need to look at sometimes leveling those things. So we'll have maybe a partner compensation system that has, is built on certain things specifically, those core values and how much percentage we're going to look at there. But then maybe to, you know, when it all comes together, we're going to have a committee at the and uh, look at, you know, what are the bonuses going to be that year and, you know, decide if there's any outside factors that maybe the system didn't consider up front that we want to level out as well. Um, and then just the overall, obviously, administration, like I said, of the firm um, and making sure that we're compensating the partners for their administrative work and doing the things that need to happen just to, to run a business and, and having that, again, just clear cut up front, you know, who's doing what, yeah, that there is value to that and just holding everybody accountable to, to the plan as we go through the year. But then uh, obviously that will show in the compensation as well. Okay. All right. So the next component that we need to talk about once you've considered all of those items that we just discussed is how do you establish a system? Yeah. And I think um, probably the best way to approach um, talking about that is to kind of run through an example of what we just discussed to give it a little more meat and, you know, ability to kind of grab onto it. So yeah. here's just an example firm that we'll go through um, and they're, they've set out um, some core values here. So um, we'll just go through what those core values are just so you can get an idea, you know, what I'm talking about when I say core values. Um, so this firm has decided they wanted to have a reputation for and dedication to the highest standards of ethics and professionalism. So that's a very, you know, core value to them. Um, Mm -hmm. They also want to make sure they have a first class legal uh, product reputation. So they're, you know, basically they do a good job. You know, they want to make sure that they have a reputation for doing a good job on the legal side. Um, And also that they are a a good place, a congenial place to work for both the uh, partners, owners, uh, as well as employees. Um, they want to be a leading firm uh, in service to the profession. So they want to be contributing back to the profession in some way. They want to, again, be a leading firm in the service to the public. So known for what a good job they do, but also be a leader in, in service to the public, maybe in their area or what have you. They ha- want to make sure they have dedication to good and active management. So again, upholding those policies and procedures that they are running themselves as a firm and have consistent management policies operating as a team as one firm, operating profitably in a business-like manner. So (laughs) they um, are in business to make money, but, you know, keeping that as a core value as well. Um, And then they're also, you know, uh, wanting to stay focused that they're going to be providing legal service, legal and related services um, and not, you know, kind of skewing outside of that. Um, So those are the core values that they've established. So, you know, as we go through this example, we're going to kind of touch base on those core values. So keeping those in mind, um, then we want to look at putting some policies around that. Okay, well, what does that mean? How do we, you know, go from core values to 
what are we measuring? What are we agreeing to, um, et cetera, leading to compensation? Right. Um, so in this case, they laid out some management policies. So first policy they laid out is every lawyer is expected to devote full time to the business of the firm and then defining what full-time is. And full-time is all hours, not just billable, <laughs> all hours in total. Um, everybody, you know, is expected to work, you know, 2,000 hours or 2,400 hours or whatever that hours is that we all agree is a full-time uh, person is so that everybody just knows up front, okay, this is what I'm committing to from there. And they know what the, what is expected. So the next one that they put in place is that all non-billable activities for the firm must have approval of the firm. So so obviously in most firms, billable time equals pro- uh, revenues for the company. So they need to establish what does that billable time look like. Now every um, every every attorney, every partner is not going to necessarily have that same billable hour to non-billable hour mix, depending on their role in the firm. Um, so mm-hmm. having that established up front for each person and, and that that's going to be approved by the firm up front. Um, so if somebody is a rainmaker, they're maybe expected to spend 40% of their time out um, doing client acquisition, you know, creating potential client relationships, referral relationships, et cetera. Um, 60% of their time is, and I shouldn't say 60 because there's going to be some just administrative of time, of course, as well. So let's say 50% of their time on billable hours, 10% just for miscellaneous um, administrative things. So whatever that mix is, it needs to be agreed upon and approved um, up front. Um, and it needs to be um, authorized. So if, and if something does change throughout the year, it needs to be authorized by you know a decision maker, whoever we deem in the firm can make those decisions. Um, so again, just so we're all you know staying accountable, pushing the firm in the direction that we're trying to go. They also established that client development is a business of the firm. So though we may have some people that are focused on rainmaking, um, we also want to make sure that uh, as a firm, we are educating, you know, the partners and the attorneys and the administrative t- staff that d- developing client relationships should be done at every level. Um, so, you know, we just want to have that uh, environment established um, to make sure that we're doing that at every level, not just relying on one, you know, stream of somebody to be handling all of that. Um and when there is circumstances that arise where we have to choose between one client and another, or one class of clients and another, that again, we're doing that as a firm, um, as a partner group, or, or we're establishing a committee, depending on the circumstances that, that we know how to go about making those decisions. Okay. Um, and again, as we, and they set this down as a management policy as well. And we talked about a little bit more. There's more than one way to achieve success at the firm. So um, successful trial lawyer, transaction lawyer, uh, successful business develop, uh, developer, <laughs> the rainmaker, uh, the managing partner. I mean, they may all be paid the same compensation. They just have different expectations of where they're spending their time and efforts and what they're going to be doing. And we just need to be clear about that up front. Okay. Okay. So going to the next, you know, phase of that, now we're talking about data, you know, we talked about we're going to need numeric data, non-numeric data, et cetera, to track these things. You know, we're kind of like tracking KPIs, but we have different goals for each 
individual or class of individuals, depending on um, how we're set up as a firm. Um, so we need a way to collect that information. Now, um, we talked a little bit about industry-specific software previously in a podcast. So here's one mm-hmm. you know, reason we need that. Um, so some of that data is going to be easy to collect, um, but we need to have policies and procedures around it, You know, putting your time in on a daily basis, you know, submitting on a weekly basis, whatever those policies and procedures are, we need to have that in place. And again, you know, we've already established we want full-time work and we want to collect information, not just on billable time, but on all time. So all of those, having all of those in place um, is important so that we're getting good data out of our system. So that type of data is easy to collect. It's numeric in nature. We can see what's billable, what's not billable, you know, where's time being spent? Does it match up? Um, And, you know, holding people accountable for that. Um, You know, other data, um, you know, such as, you know, how many clients have been developed this year, how many clients have maybe we expanded services to uh, as uh, that attorney. Um, Some of those things, again, can be easy to collect that data depending on your systems and how you're tracking things and other things, you know, you may have to establish some ways of coming back around to, again, what's important for the firm Um, and what other maybe non-numeric things, what other values, what other contributions have people made? Okay. Okay. Um, So kind of moving along, and this, again, it's just, uh, as a reminder, it's just an example, and this is going to vary from firm to firm, but um, with those management policies we discussed in mind, then they're going to be, you know, we're going to be looking at compensation. What, How are we going to determine that compensation? That's what we're here to discuss. And so we look at uh, uh, profit um, as a good way, a profit before compensation, obviously. <laughs> we would need to look at what's available um, in the firm, so before the compensation. And maybe we set, you know, 50% of that is our base salary, assuming, again, that full-time employment. Um, You know, again, that's just an example. It could be 60%. Could You know, we can go through what that looks like at each firm level and set some sort of baseline for what that needs to look like and how that's going to be allocated. Um, And then maybe 25% is going to be the quality of your performance at whatever your assigned duties are. So if you're the rainmaker, obviously you're going to be looked at more for that. If you're the managing partner, you're going to be looked at for those responsibilities, grinder, et cetera. So looking at that from where did we start the expectation um, and, you know, are we meeting that expectation and how well is that being met based on what's been going on? Okay. And then maybe another 25% of that is going to be extraordinary performance. You know, you went above and beyond for the firm. You met and exceeded um, the expectations and goals that were set at the beginning. Um, So uh, you're going to get an extra little bonus because of that. So looking at this and setting it up and and there's different ways and metrics that can be used. Um, I know some firms use point systems. We're going to assign this many points for these kinds of things and that many points for that kind of thing. And then we use the points to allocate the remainder of the pool to the partners whoever's got the most points gets most and then go from there kind of thing so you know that's but again we always just want to make sure that we're keeping the focus on growing the firm and what's best for the firm not the individual um 
only. So, you know, how, you know, maybe that's training the next group of attorneys, you know, somebody has got to take time to do that. And that's part of their responsibilities. We want to reward that. We don't want to um, not have those people be trained. And then they are never, either they leave because they're feeling unfulfilled and they're not learning anything. And, and that's problematic for the firm, Um, you know, or as the uh, partners are aging out, maybe wanting to retire, nobody has been trained to take over at that point. Right. Yeah. Experience that they need. Um, So we want to always look at those kinds of things um, for the continuity of the firm and looking at, you know, how we're going to compensate retiring partners. Somebody typically is going to be buying into the firm as a partner in order to help with that as well. Um, So there's different ways again to do that too but um you know the that whole idea is that we just want to make sure that we're looking at this holistically and approaching it in a way that has um that is fair and equitable but that also keeps the firm growth the firm ease of operations and and success in mind and, and a top priority i mean ideally in theory you're still getting rewarded for going above and beyond and you have that incentive to you know, take action to do more because you're not just, you know, getting a cut of whatever you're getting a cut of. Um, But it's also more equitable. Like you said, it's not just based on billable hours. Yeah. And it allows people to excel at what they're good at. You know, um, we talk a lot about putting the right people in the right seats and how that can really make your business very successful. Um, And some people are just natural born salespeople and they're really good at it. Um, And other people, um, you know, they just want to hide and be a wallflower. They don't want to talk to, <laughs> to people when it comes to that. They want to they want to do the work and they want to dig into the law and they want to deal with those kinds of things. So, um, yeah. so when you allow people to do what they're good at and to, um, you know, we always want to push people to the best of their abilities, of course. But when we allow them to be in that space and to love what they do, um, it's just going to exponentially increase the ability of the firm to service more clients, to be more profitable. It just works out really well. So that's, you know, something that I just like to bring to the forefront, too, because I think traditionally, um, you know, law firms, a lot of times attorneys operate as little silos on their own. They're kind of together in one firm, but they do their own thing and they do it their own way. You know, they don't necessarily work collaboratively enough um, with uh, others in the firm because they're protecting their income stream. Um, And I think an income stream is important. It's of course. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. We want to design the income stream to benefit the whole firm and to, you know, reward collaboration and to reward training of upcoming people and to reward, you know, the work and the rainmaking and all the things that it takes, the management of the firm that we want to make sure that that's, that's what we're rewarding. Um, And because that's what's going to make us grow and do better as a firm. Right. So um, I'll put out there that no compensation system is you know, perfect, um, you know, uh, but we, we want to not have the ones that are awful. <laughs> we want to <laughs> wanna stay away from those. Um, yeah. so we want to design it well. Um, and like I said, you know, as we were talking previously, um, you know, maybe we have this structure in place and we're going to follow it, but we are going to allow a little bit of bonus at the end of the year to maybe say, okay, there's something we didn't consider. And we really feel like this partner deserves to get a little bit more because they did something wonderful that, you know, really benefited the firm. And, you know, maybe that wasn't laid out in the compensation structure. You can't necessarily foresee everything in the future, despite our 
you know, we're trying to get those those class balls to work, but yeah. still <laughs> so, not done yet. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things that we just want to make sure that we're doing um, the best that we can to establish it up front to reward what is good for the firm. And again, we want a system and I'm just going to lay out a few principles maybe to to wrap up the conversation around this um, is that we want the system to remove impediments to good management. We want it to remove impediments to increasing the quality of the firm's client base. We want to remove impediments to impediments <laughs> to fairness. I say that lots of times in a row, apparently. Yeah, right. <laughs> Many <laughs> times is impediments in here. <laughs> yeah. uh, to remove impediments to fairness and long-term firm planning. Um, you know, we want those to be uh, open. We want to be able to push those forward um, to be able to remove impediments to good loss preventative prevention practices. We want to make sure we're not doing things outside of, um, you know, where we can protect the firm and, and not mm-hmm. have liability and those kinds of things. Uh, again, we want to have that cohesiveness because of our core values and we want our system designed to build that cohesiveness into that. Uh, and, but we want it also to be flexible enough to address the needs of the firm with different values um, and different things that it's going to take to manage it. So there's there are a few principles that we want to keep in mind as we're designing this system and coming up with what the best options are for partner compensation and compensation really throughout the firm, but especially at the partner level. Okay, great. Yeah, I think, you know, wrapping it up into... The strategy as a whole and relating it to the core values, that's always important um, just throughout this whole series. And as we talk every week on the podcast is you you have to stay true to your core values and who you are as a business and setting up your compensation to align with that makes total sense. So um, is there anything else that you wanted to provide in wrapping up before we finish the episode? Yeah, I think I just want to reiterate, remember, um, you know, we are not so much a practice. <laughs> we are a business and we want to um, make sure that we're treating our firms as a business like any other business entrepreneur would. And so if we're looking at it from the outside in, um, you know, and looking at it from a different perspective, you know, we want to make sure we're setting those core values, setting our strategic goals, setting those plans in place. And we're building all our structures, including partner compensation around achieving those goals and around achieving those values. Um, And that's the most important thing that we can take away from this is that we need to maybe set aside some older understandings and some older ways of doing things potentially and moving into this because that's really what's going to make us grow, make us profitable and give us that ease of operations and lifestyle that we're looking for as firm owners. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. Keep that momentum going and we will see you next time. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.